Welcome to Music is the Drug, the weekly vitamin-enriched cowboy junkies podcast that helps keep the doctor away. We've got some great shows coming up over the next few weeks, including an in-depth look at the new album, Songs of the Recollection, to coincide with its release next month. You'll find us at all good podcast outlets, so don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss a single episode. I'm Dave Bowler, and I write the biography of Cowboy Junkies, Music is the Drug. Today, with the help of Michael Timmins and Alan Anton, we'll be looking at a song from All That Reckoning. The Things We Do To Each Other is a great example of the way that the two write songs together these days, as Mike explains. The way our co-writes usually work is Al will send me uh, a, a, a groove, or certainly a bass groove, and he'll also, more and more, he'll, he'll, he'll develop, he'll put some, some keys on there with some melodic ideas or, or, or a bit of structure or whatever, and uh, I, I, I'll use that or not use that, depending, but it's mainly his, his, his grooves, and, and you know, with, with changes too, with chord changes in there as well, so, um, and I'll take those, and then sometimes I'll, I'll take them pretty much straight, up, straight as they are, or sometimes I'll just take the change of the chord changes and just work on those or whatever but it, it frees me up because i you know after writing a lot of songs and i'm not i'm not the most um trained guitarist or or or, or musician like i don't i don't really know music you know I, I can't i can't write music so i just do it by ear and i i do what come what feels right and what feels right you tend to <laughs> you tend to start repeat repeat yourself because you, you kind of like that chain that chord change so you go back to it so without feeding me different changes, but changes that he likes, um, it just it just allows me to f- free up a little bit of from the music side and just focus on the lyrics and melody. And uh, with this one, this is pretty much. I mean, I hardly had to do anything. I just wrote the I just wrote the lyrics and melody to it. Uh, but the, the actual musical structure is pretty much all Al. Even some of the the guitar lead parts I stole off of, off of him. That he he so so it's a. Uh, I just love the groove of it. It's got sort of a David Boy Heroes vibe to it. I think that's sort of the way I was sort of approaching it. I wanted to keep it really simple lyrically and uh, just focus on sort of like this, the, 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 the bounce, the bounce that he provided with the bass. I suppose in terms of the writing as well, it, it just must be such a relief not to always have a blank sheet of paper every time you go write a song. Oh, it's so, it's so great. You know, I can just sit, I can just sit and listen to his groove and his changes and, and just think in terms of, lyrics and melody and not not have to yeah not have to start okay back to this chord okay here's a d chord you know i, I don't even have to think in those terms and and often you know you know sometimes i'll even be using one of al's pieces and be writing and and not till later i sort of when i when i kind of transpose it to my guitar where i realize oh this is this is this is that song you know this is this is a song i wrote three years you know 10 years ago but it doesn't matter because i've i've you know the melody's different now, and the lyrics are different, and the rhythm's different. But um, but I never would have gotten there by myself because I would have identified it as a song, I'd, you know, a song I'd already written in quotes. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of it's very freeing. It's very freeing. Depending on the song, by the time Mike gets Al's demo, it can be pretty close to the finished article. You know, I can work up songs at home pretty much to the point where um, I can bring it into the studio in Toronto and you know just redo the drums and then. Mike adds his parts and the vocals and that's it. So it's gotten pretty, pretty easy to get pretty good sounds. I mean, you know, really good sounds actually these days in a home studio and, and use that. You can use, you either use it as a demo, really great demo or put it out yourself. Like most kids do these days or, um, you know, because we have a history of trying to get it 
to sound as good as possible. We try to we bring it in and into our studio in Toronto and and redo a lot of it. But yeah, it's great having a home studio to be able to do that in. Having a home studio has made a big difference to Alan's ability to put down ideas for junkie songs as and when they arrive in his head. Yeah, yeah, that's really really crucial actually. And I'll I'll do that during dinner. Something will pop into my head and I'll say be back in a minute and just run down and you know ten minutes later I'm back at dinner. And uh, I find if I don't do that, it just disappears. So I gotta, I gotta keep on top of that. And sometimes I'll just hum into my iPhone or if I'm out on the road or whatever. So yeah, catching ideas is like uh, really important for me, anyways, because I can't remember them <laughs> for too long. When I spoke to Pete about this, he he called it a gospel song. He said there ought to be a you know a huge choir in the background or something singing. And I mean, it has got that kind of kind of feel to it. it's a sort of a spiritual kind of feel to it hasn't it yeah it's it, it has that sort of vibe for sure um for me it was like musically for me when i was working on it i was thinking of uh kind of a lou reed thing um but it turned into more of a more of that gospel thing by the time we finished it I, I had it really sparse and simple and not too exciting i think at first and then it got a little more um a little more developed into that. Alan's point about Lou Reed underlines that the song has a feel of 1970s classic rock about it, something that Mike's perfectly happy with. Yeah, I mean that you know that era is huge for us, you know, as, as friends and as uh, musical collaborators. You know that that era we we grew up together in Montreal in the and in early 70s. Uh, you know, from certainly from there's a few years in there which we went to you know hundreds of shows, you know, you could go to down to the Montreal Forum. There was, they have these triple bills, you know, it was probably 10 bucks or five bucks or something. And you could see like 10 CC and uh, Sparks and Supertramp, you know, for 10 bucks, you know, all these, all these bands. We didn't necessarily like them all, but they're just fascinating. You know, we, you know, Bad Company then would come in with uh, Deep Purple and somebody else, you know, and then in the bigger shows, Boy would show up and we'd get in line, you know, overnight and get tickets and, and uh, the, 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 so we'd see everybody and we'd go together often. And, uh, and then we, you know, even our record collections, we'd sort of share, we'd, somebody would buy the, the latest, the latest, whatever, and, uh, latest Lou Reed record and the other guy would tape it. And, um, and, you know, that was, we, we sort of, we, our, 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 um, like our language developed, the language of how we communicate with music developed over those years. And, um, so those are our strongest years. You know, over the years, we've gone in different ways as far as uh, what we like. Al, Al, people would be know what we used to know. You know, he he really like hard rock. You know, like the, some of the weird weird death rock stuff. I can't. I don't. I, I doesn't. It doesn't connect with me at all. I'm more. You know, where I have more of a blues feel. I go back to the blues side of things. Um, but that the center of all that is that '70s sort of classic rock. Um, of those types of bands and uh, you know this being a, a good example of that the junkie sound has developed over the years but the more records you make the harder you have to work on keeping things fresh be that lyrically or musically you know on the writing side the lyric side mike is always very attuned to um contemporary politics and social issues and all that sort of thing or, or personal um personal issues as well so his, his writing follows his life basically um, whether it's to do with aging or kids or whatever, whereas the music has to not only you know fit with what the writing, what the lyrics are about, but um, 
like you say, try to find a, a, a way to keep it fresh for the band to stay interested in playing. You know, that mostly falls on me and Pete to figure out where, where we want to go with that stuff. And, you know, we're always interested in bringing in new instruments and, you know, listening to new things for influences and all that sort of thing. So, you know, we're still very, very much um, active music fans, listening to lots and lots of stuff all the time. So that's never gone away. And, um, you know, our playing has gotten better, obviously. We're better musicians now. So we can, we can think that, you know, we can take on a keyboard part or whatever and pull it off, that sort of thing, or, or some sort of instrument that we've never tried before. So, yeah, it, it, it keeps it fun and it keeps the, the music uh, interesting for ourselves and hopefully our fans too. A lot of what you've used recently, it's those old analog keyboards, which just sound so much better than the, the ones. They've just got that, that sound that creates an atmosphere sort of straight away, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. That, that's what we discovered pretty quickly. It was just uh, I brought in a Vox organ and, you know, just basically played one note and it just <laughs> sounds so good. You can put it on anything and you can open a song with it. You can play it throughout a song. And, you know, then we started thinking that we should just get a bunch of uh, old analog keyboards in the studio and see what we can do with them. So we got, you know, a bunch of stuff and uh, they're a pain in the ass to keep in tune and, and maintain and everything, but they just sound so beautiful. So fantastic that, uh, you know, you just take one out and start playing and it finds a spot in a song almost immediately. Lyrically, the things we do to each other is pretty pertinent to these very strange times that we've been living through for a while and which just seem to be going on and on and on. It's just a really, it's a real basic plea, you know? I mean, it's a very, it's a real simple song. It, 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 there's not a whole lot of lyrics to it. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of repeats itself, I think, two, two or three times. And uh, and that's all it is. It's just, uh, it just, uh, I mean, lyrically to me, you know, the, the message you know, so come again, we don't really do message songs very often, but I think this is probably a message, message song. It was written quite, uh, you know, during height of the, the, the Trump, uh, era, Trump era version one, we're about to get version two. Um, and, um, so it was, you know, it was a very, very, as we all hopefully can still remember, uh, chaotic and kind of terrifying time, especially on this part of the world. Uh, sharing a border with that country and um so it, it's it's very um it's sort of just a plea it's it's a direct plea to one another to to to, to individuals again back to back to what we were talking about earlier uh you know but back to back to those who 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 think and who care and who um you know actually have uh realize they have a stake in 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 the, in the entirety of how civilization and society runs um it's just a plea to those folks you wonder if they quite understand the forces that they're unleashing. And you can control hate But only for so long And when you lose control Well, you, you know, you, you, you hope that they don't know it you, you, but you and you kind of fear that they do because if they 
if people are unleashing those forces on purpose just for their own gains, that, that there's a real evil at, at bay there. It's interesting. I mean, COVID, I think, is the same in a way as, as 9-11 because when it descended upon us, for, for a little while it was, we're all in this together. And it felt like there might be some sort of a breakthrough and, you know, all you need is love and whatever. And then pretty quickly, it, everything just went back to normal. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's advantage or back to normal or worse, you know. Um, I think the, 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 it's a, these crises that, that people can exploit, right? It's, that's, that's the thing. You're right. 9-11 was very similar. Um, there was a great opportunity to change directions and instead they became more hardened. And because people, you know, certain people in power realize that there's a lot to be gained personally, uh, by exploiting these sort of these uh, the, the, these sorts of these sorts of things, then I think that's why there's so many conspiracies as to you know whether they were um, you know a, a controlled crises or not, um, because they do fit in quite nicely to people's um, power plays. So I don't know. It's it's you know we we just sort of we swim along. <laughs> Hope we don't get eaten. If we don't get eaten, we'll be back next week to look at another song from the Junkies repertoire. Before then, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss a new episode. You can also like it, add reviews, and tell your friends that we're here. All of that helps spread the word, thanks to computer algorithms or biorhythms or, or something. To keep up with the band and to pre-order the new album, Songs of the Recollection, head for cowboyjunkies.com. They'll be back on the road again soon too, so you can check the tour dates there as well. If you're a Spotify user, you can follow our growing playlist. Details are in the show notes. We'll be back next week. See you then.